tis a season. It's a season of joy and gratitude and lots and lots of food grown by the American farmer. This year, as we head into the holidays, we're joyful that the Farm Bill has now officially been extended for one year. It gives our farmers a little bit more certainty and, and grateful, of course, for the hardworking family farmers and ranchers who keep our holiday tables full. Welcome back to Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell, and I'm so excited today to reintroduce uh, our guest. He's a familiar voice on Groundwork, Mr. Rob Johansson. I'm sorry, Dr. Rob Johansson. There's no better time to dive into some of the myths about farm policy and sugar policy that seem to be running. After all, sugar is an essential, a huge component of our holiday baking and joy. Rob, before we dive in, I think it, I probably should just mention, it's been a bit of a hectic time out here in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. Congress has passed a clean farm bill extension covering all 12 titles and covering the so-called orphan programs. That's great. The four corners of the agriculture committees in the House and the Senate have said that even though they've extended the current 2018 farm bill for a year, that this doesn't slow movement on the next farm bill. That's great, indicating their interest in moving one early in 2024. So with that backdrop, I'm just excited to bring Rob into the mix, former USDA chief economist, one of the most brilliant guys I know, now the director of economics and policy analysis for the American Sugar Alliance. Rob, you've been involved with a number of these farm bills over the years. How do you think this one's shaping up for us? Let's just start there. Hey, Tom, it's great to be with you. Um, you're right. Uh, we've been living in some strange times out here in D.C. Um, let's start off first by uh, thanking, of course, all the farmers and ranchers across the nation that provide us with the incredible food supply that we have here in the United States, not just over the holidays, but every single day. Um, with regards to the farm bill, as you, you know, we've talked about every farm bill is unique and this year is no different. We're coming off of record prices, um, but we still have near record costs. So that means that some producers have been doing well, but there's probably others out there that have had a difficult time with this current inflation-ridden environment. One thing I've been watching over the last couple uh, months is interest rates. And you can see in the Economic Research Service numbers from USDA how much more it's going to cost farmers to service debt now at these higher interest rates. Uh, for those of you that have had to borrow extensively to get going in farming or to expand, that credit will be expensive to cover particularly if commodity prices start to weaken and they are bringing in less revenue from selling the crops. Uh, most assume that prices are going to be weakening over the next year. Um, we've seen estimates both from FAPRI uh, as well as USDA. There's going to be uh, an expected drop, a pretty substantial drop between, uh, of course, last year and this year. We've experienced that, but the numbers are starting to reflect that. And of course, going into next year, we're expected to see continued fall in farm income, uh, reflecting the fact that costs are likely to remain a little bit high and prices are coming down. Um, all, all indications cycles turned and our nation's farmers are in for some leaner times. Yeah, and it, it always tends to be a cyclical market. And and we have been kind of riding a high. I think 22 was, was record net farm income, net cash farm income all time 23 saw a steep drop we haven't seen projections for 24 yet but but i expect they will drop again so i, I think you've hit that on the head and, and a lot of folks are concerned let's talk a little bit about sugar how's it looking for sugar cane and sugar beet farmers across the country right now give us a little snapshot there yeah yeah of course um you know that 11,000 uh sugar cane and sugar beet farmers out there working hard uh, this year to grow a great crop. Um, we're nearing the end of the harvest for sugar beets. Things are looking great. Uh, they are near a record. 
Uh, if not a record um, projected, we'll see uh, WASDs out later this week. So we'll see, you know, what that comes in at. In sugarcane, it's a bit of a mixed bag. There's been a, there was a pretty bad drought in Louisiana this year uh, that took the crop down uh, a couple hundred thousand tons. Texas, uh, we know the growers there are really desperate for irrigation supplies yeah. from uh, several reservoirs in Mexico. Yeah. So um, they're hoping for some water there, um, hopefully uh, irrigated water, but uh, rainfall would be welcome as well. Yeah. Overall, though, it looks like American sugar producers will harvest and process enough sugar beets and sugar cane to produce more than 9 million tons of sugar for the coming year, an additional 3.5 million likely to be imported to meet uh, the roughly 12 and a half million tons of sugar demand in the country. Uh, while American sugarcane and sugar beet farmers supply about, again, about 70 to 75% of the sugar we need in the U.S., that three and a half million tons puts us as the world's third largest importer of sugar. So we bring in a lot from outside yeah. of as well. Uh, the American uh, Farm Bill, you know, has a no-cost sugar policy that ensures that domestic production and foreign imports meet the right balance. So we've always got an adequate supply of sugar while ensuring family farmers can survive against unfair trade practices. Yeah. Sugar, you know, and uh, it goes without saying, as you noted, um, for the holiday season, but across the whole season, across all 12 months, sugar is an essential food ingredient in our food supply. So our farmers and workers are proud to play such an important role in feeding America. Yeah, twelve and a half million tons. That is a that is a bunch of of sugar, and obviously it makes for a lot more sweet. Sorry, the puns they just roll out in this kind of. A, I know, I know. I tell you, my heart does go out to those Texas uh, cane producers, and this is an old function of a U.S. Mexico agreement on water. And of course, like in most things, our U.S. you know the U.S. tries to be a good example in in terms of following the law and being transparent with that. And this is a tough situation for some of our Texas growers who should have water uh, that in many cases is being appropriated elsewhere. Um, all right, well, let's let's turn to some good old-fashioned farm policy uh, facts. I wanted to first talk about some of the misconceptions about farm policy and sugar policy that have been floating around in recent months in the media. Many of these attacks have some just odd notions and, and fail to recognize certainly the importance of strong farm policy and strong sugar policy in the United States. Rob, I'm eager to hear kind of your thoughts on some of these myths and misconceptions, what you've been reading, what you're seeing out there, and kind of the public fact flack as we get into this farm bill. Yeah, yeah, we have seen a lot of outlandish uh, um, and misleading claims in in some articles and some uh, 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 editorials lately. Um, uh, you know, going back to the summer, I guess leading up to the farm bill, it seems like there's a lot of uh, uh, interests out there that try and perpetuate the sort of outrage about um, these those misleading comments about the sugar program. I'm not sure whether it's uh, intended to drum up clicks and media attention or whether it's truly aimed at undermining America's farmers and ranchers. Um, well, what I am sure about is, is it has been a gross misrepresentation and cherry picking of facts does lead to confusion and concern about farm policies that provide a, a safety net to our farmers and ranchers. Uh, who, by the way, do provide the most safe, abundant, and affordable food supply in the world. So that's not just for sugar, but some of the other misleading statements about farm production in general. Yeah, I I, I think that's that's well put, and it's 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 always frustrating. You know, it's a weird kind of conglomeration of of critics. You know, from the far left and some from the far right. Um, we've actually come off a season where I think post COVID, post pandemic. 
Um, and, and even in the previous administration where there was a, a real strong sentiment of, you know, we need to stand by our own nation's productive capacity and our producers, um, those who are kind of generating new wealth uh, every year. And no one embodies that more than the U.S. farmer. But they are they are looking at some challenges ahead. If you've, as you've already noted, producers across the U.S. have, have felt the impacts of natural disasters uh, in addition to the inflation, the rising input costs and, and more. Uh, tell me, Rob, how are America's farmers and ranch families, uh, particularly in your industry of sugar, facing these these factors as they plan for this coming year? Well, um, like most uh, producers, you know, going into the uh, the harvest season, um, everybody's you know focused on that. That, like I said, is pretty much done for sugar beets. Um, Florida is still going to be going for a while uh, in terms of their sugarcane harvest. Uh, but, you know, looking at these costs, uh, producers, of course, are trying to manage those um, in terms of contracting out, uh, trying to get the best prices I can for their inputs. Uh, they've been persistently high. They did come off of significant highs from last year. Uh, I know we're going to talk about inflation in a second, but I don't I think it bears mentioning again that we have seen um, these very high transportation costs. Not just a uh, sea transport, sea freight, um, but also internally to the U.S., we've seen high um, freight costs on rail as well as uh, trucking costs. Um, it's a function of a number of things. Labor availability is one for truckers, for example, but also diesel prices are creeping back up again. So, all of those are uh, contributing factors to why we're seeing high input costs on the farm. Um, in addition, those other um, you know, resources that producers are looking for to um, to make their operations work in terms of whether that's labor um, or um, uh, their own shipping and handling issues uh, for their outputs from the sugar factories um, has been a challenge. And so um, at least looking forward into the coming year, uh, I think there's a lot of hope that uh, that next year some of those prices are going to start to abate. And I think I think that's fair to see uh, the, the Federal Reserve is starting to take their foot a bit off of interest rates um, as an indication that inflation is starting to um, subside a little bit. You know, we, we are still seeing positive inflation, but certainly not the levels that we saw the last two years. Yeah, let's talk just a little bit more about inflation. It, you know, this is something it's been a pain point for really all families and and all every citizen of the United States and in and, and the world. But farmers uh, experience that in in a very unique way, you know, having to put so much expense into their family businesses. Um, as you and I both know, when prices rise at the grocery store, it's not usually the farmers who are seeing that increased profit. Could you talk a little bit about this? Who who kind of bears the brunt, and where is that where is that playing out for the consumers? You're right. And, you know, for example, in 2022, um, and this is a statistic that hasn't changed all that much over time, but for every dollar that, you know, American household spends uh, on groceries uh, or at the local restaurant, um, about 15 cents of that goes back to the farm, which means about 85% is going elsewhere. So that's going to what? That's going to food manufacturing, um, energy and shipping costs, marketing, retailing. Um, uh, it, in addition, of course, corporate profits are a part of that. We've seen studies that have found that um, corporate profits have explained uh, a fair amount of the food price hikes we saw between 2020 and 2021. Um, and uh, as I noted, uh, and I don't want to belabor the point, but certainly transportation, shipping, and handling costs have been adding to the costs of, yep. of yep. moving inputs as well as outputs. And we see 
the similar economics with sugar as well. A um, couple stats for you. Since 2010, for example, uh, the cost of sweet treats has risen by about 30%, 38%, sorry, and baked goods have, have gone up by more than 50%. Um, so it's not and of course, at the same time, sugar prices have have come up, but not by that much at all, uh, indicating that not the sugar producers, uh, sugar farmers who are profiting, it's food companies. Um, and since 2020, the confectioners in the U.S. have had record U.S. sales, totaling almost 43 billion. That's double digits up. That was in 2022, up from 2021. Um, and of that, the price of sugar it has been remained a tiny fraction. Uh, the cost of those treats, very little of that goes back to farmers. I'll give you a quick example. You know, when uh, our sugar beet and sugar cane farmers make the trek out to D.C. to do fly-ins and, and talk to folks on the Hill and to share with, with uh, their representatives what the challenges are um, out in farm country, we like to bring an example uh, of what that means to, to them um, in terms of uh, something that's relatable to, you know, American households. Uh, such as a chocolate bar. And yeah. on that chocolate bar, there's a sticker that says something like uh, less than two cents on it, meaning that of a candy bar, you know, regular sized uh, candy bar, there's less than two cents of sugar in it. And of that, uh, less than a penny goes back to the farmer. So, you know, it's uh, sometimes a little comical to hear the confectioners um, crying crocodile tears about the cost of sugar and how that's affecting the price of, of candy that you see at the grocery store. Um, and, and, you know, those farm policy critics tend to use those falsehoods in order to invoke scary images of candy and sugar rationing for America's family, especially around this time of year when we're everybody's baking such good, good things for the Christmas table or uh, for the holidays. Um, but what the public, uh, you know, should be also looking at is certainly the the profit levels that some of these companies are, uh, are achieving and, and whether or not um, they are actually... Um, passing any savings back to uh, households in, in the cost of those food items you see at the grocery store. That's so well put. And I, man, I couldn't agree more. It, it reminds me of, of, and this isn't unique to sugar farmers, you know, and John F. Kennedy, great president, great with the, with a turn of phrase, but he, he always had the statement that the, the farmers are the only uh, people in the economy who, who buy retail, sell wholesale, sell into a commodity market and pay the freight both ways. A lot of those issues uh, you hit on, and that is a reality. Um, so little of our food costs uh, actually goes back uh, to the farmer. So uh, thanks also for making me hungry talking about uh, candy bars there. Um, and all that background, I know, I know consumers are increasingly more interested in where their food comes from and how it gets to their plates. Um, any idea how consumers are thinking about sugar these days? Is this a big issue? Is a big issue for sugar as it is for some of the other crops? Well, we 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 have seen some interesting um, results from a morning consult survey that that uh, have provided some statistics about uh, how U.S. consumers are uh, feeling about sugar right now, um, as well as other ag and food commodities. One statistic that I like quoting is that American households like um, uh, prefer American-made sugar to uh, foreign-supplied sugar um, by a ratio of eight to one. So, uh, you know, that's something that we always uh, felt, and it's nice to see it reflected in survey work. Um, uh, and it is encouraging to see how consumers are taking a more vested interest in agriculture and how food gets from farm fields to their forks. Um, but, you know, we need to be talking about, you know, facts and not 
you know, falsehoods or scare tactics. Um, that's great. That you know, I just want to throw a quick shout out to uh, to the Farm Policy Facts and just note what an important important platform it is for getting out. You know, the other side of the story um, that uh, consumers often don't hear about. Um, about 71% of voters from that survey support government involvement with sugar policy because it keeps sugar affordable and ensures a reliable supply and protects farmers at the same time. And about 86% of voters say it's important for Congress to include provisions in the Farm Bill that provides for an adequate um, uh, support net for the sugar industry. Uh, this is true across the political spectrum and amongst every geographic region. So that's just a little bit about a, a recent morning consult survey we had done. Um, the farm and sugar policy critics that we were talking about earlier uh, might not like to use this statistic, but certainly um, those critics like to say things uh, about farm policies being relics of quote unquote the Great Depression or somehow that farm policy is outdated in hindering progress. Um, the truth is that American agriculture is incredibly modern and forward thinking. So the farm bill has to be modern and forward thinking too. Uh, farm policy has taken many iterations over the centuries, as you know, and as we've talked about here, um, and farm and food policies in the farm bill are continually being adjusted to make them more efficient and more effective. Congressional agricultural committees are continually, continually working to achieve that balance. Um, sugar policy is no different. It's been adjusted many times over the years so that it works for farmers, food producers, and taxpayers. Uh, and the current form of the sugar policy is designed to cost zero tax dollars. It's cost zero over the past 10 years and expected to cost zero over the next 10 years. That's an amazing stat. Yeah, it, clearly it is working just as intended. It's it's um, uh, designed to cost zero dollars to taxpayers. Some of the foremost critics of strong farm and sugar policies seem to overlook that time after time after time. Let's turn to trade. Uh, farmers and ranchers across the U.S. have been urging the current administration to prioritize strong trade policy and to revitalize a seemingly stalled trade agenda. Where does sugar policy land in the discussion on trade policy? Well, without a strong sugar policy, American sugar farmers uh, and, and workers uh, would be at a clear disadvantage in the market. Um, we would face unlimited supplies of subsidized, heavily subsidized imported sugar, um, often controlled by foreign government policies that have <clears throat> that protect their own sugar industries. So um, ultimately, our current policy levels the playing field for our producers and allows us to meet all of our trade commitments. Um, American consumers, of course, under that world would also be subject to the whims of foreign suppliers. Who often turn supply their supplies to the world off or on, depending on their own domestic needs. We're seeing that in in uh, India right now, um, with little regard to market conditions. And we're also seeing, of course, uh, Brazil's having a great production year this year, but they just can't ship anything because they're all clogged up at their ports. Um, absent smart sugar policy, domestic sugar production would be jeopardized, putting family farms out of business, eliminating jobs in urban and rural communities and threatening our nation's food security, because sugar is such a critical food ingredient for more than just sweetening. Uh, smart trade policy is, is so important for all of agriculture, not just sugar. And while we do not export sugar, many other crops and farmers who grow, those crops rely on trade. Uh, and American, it should be noted that Americans farmers truly do feed the world. Um, not only that, we ensure that we can feed ourselves and that's a national security interest that we've heard time and time again from our leaders in Congress. Um, and it is uh, it is 
Worth noting again that American households spend less of their disposable income uh, on food for the most diverse choice of food selection out there, for the safest food that's out there compared to any other industrialized country. Um, it is shocking to, to see some things though, like for example, all the time that I was working at USDA, we ran surplus and trade and agriculture. But most recently, um, USDA put out their estimates for 2024, and we're expected to run a deficit in food and agricultural products this year of uh, over $30 billion. Uh, that's, that's pretty incredible, Tom. <clears throat> Even coming coming over last year's deficit of, of about $17 billion, those are big numbers. So um, there is a lot going on. A lot of that is driven, of course, by the strength of the US dollar, but uh, certainly, um, you know, it, it's uh, it, a strong trade policy and getting out there and exporting more of our, our uh, of our good U.S. product is, is something that I'm sure that all the ag groups are going to want the administration to focus on going into uh, uh, the next couple of years here. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And, and I think it is worth noting here that you know, a lot of the imports that we that we bring in in the agricultural front are high valued goods, um, you know, fruits and vegetables wines, Jesus, uh, you know, very high value products. We are shipping a lot of bulk products uh, and protein that, that, um, and with a strong dollar, it does, it does change things up. So I, I really appreciate your, your, uh, your pointing that out. And also just reminding us, you use fancier terms. It always kind of sounds trite, or I feel it's trite when I say it, that American farmers provide the safest, most abundant, most affordable, most diverse food supply known. Uh, in the history of mankind, it's, it, we spend a lower percentage of our disposable income or, or our time uh, or our, at, or, our, our, just our, our resources on, on accessing uh, a high quality uh, food supply. And that is, a, that is just a, it's a blessing that should never been, be taken for granted uh, among the American people. So, Rob, kind of getting back to with a clean farm bill extension now in the books, Tell us just, I'd love your predictions. What's going to happen uh, in 2024? How do you see this thing playing out? Oh, Tom, that's a great question. I should ask you the same one. Uh, well, you're, you're, you're the, sure, you're our forward sure chief of I, Well, listen, what do we know? We know that the ag committees are working hard. They're working hard on getting a new, stronger, more effective farm bill, five-year farm bill. And I'm confident that strong sugar policy will be a component of that. Um as we talked about, that's because it's a common sense notion that sugar policy should be designed to cost taxpayers absolutely nothing. History's on on our side too. Congress has agreed overwhelmingly to vote continued sugar policy in in the past few farm bills. Um, but certainly, we're we're uh, we're eager, um, just like other uh, ag groups are, to help in the committees uh, roll up our sleeves here at the beginning of 2024 and getting getting a new bill uh, developed that's. Um, you know, modernize that reflects a lot of the the new challenges that we're seeing that um, that have occurred since the last farm bill. Just think about it. You know, we last farm bill, we hadn't had the trade war with China. We yep. hadn't had yep. the uh, pandemic. We didn't have the supply chain issues coming out of the pandemic. So um, or the inflation coming out of the uh, uh, yep. coming off of the pandemic. So all of those, um, I would say, have have changed the sort of the economics and of course we're always seeing what the weather is doing and and that's thrown us a couple curveballs over the last yeah. five years as you know we've seen a lot of uh, ad hoc disaster coming out as a result um, 
But a new modernized farm bill is certainly something everybody's looking forward to working on, and, and we're going to try and get it done, um, you know, working with the committees as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. I'm, I'm confident it will come together, and I'm, I'm also confident, that, as you said, strong sugar policy will be a component. Thanks in large part to the great work you do, uh, leading the industry and being a spokesman uh, for this really important, critical component of our food supply. Thanks for clearing up all these myths, Rob. I, man, I always just so appreciate the opportunity to break down some of the claims and the falsehoods, while also always learning more about the sweet uh, sugar that will definitely be on my plate for this holiday season. Thanks for joining Farm Policy Facts again. And man, I really hope you and yours enjoy the upcoming holiday season. Thanks, Tom. You and your family as well. Looking forward to catching up in person sometime soon. That's going to do it for this episode of, of Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell.